Amen. Amen. Y'all can have a seat. Well, Aggies for Christ, what's up? I hope everybody is doing well tonight. For those of you that don't know me, my name is Matt. I'm the campus minister here. Um, and I have a feeling tonight's going to be a special night. The, um, the sound is going crazy and the lights weren't working and we've had all kinds. Of, it's just been that kind of day, but I still believe in what's going to happen tonight. I think um, our preaching minister, Charlton Taylor, who reminded our congregation this Sunday, and I want to remind us, too, that tonight we get to come together and we get to talk about some pretty good stuff. We get to talk about some really good stuff. We get to be a people of hope. Now, when you go home and you turn on the TV, if any of you, if any of you watch the news, you can go and you can click the news, and the, and the rough stories, the, 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 the sad stories of the world are still going to be there. If you guys want to go get on Facebook when you get home, um, all of your friends are still political experts and they're still going to be talking about the debate. And so if you want to go read that negativity, that's still there as well. But tonight, tonight we get to celebrate something good. Tonight we get to celebrate the person of Jesus. And for just a little bit, for this first part of our week, this middle part of our week, we get to have an oasis from this world. We get to walk away from everything that's holding us down, everything that's stressing us out, and we get a little bit, a little slice of heaven tonight. And so I pray that you feel that feeling in the room tonight. I hope this is a place where you can let that go because tonight could very well be the night that God changes everything for you. Be it through the worship, be it through the message, be it through the community, tonight could be the night. And so I pray that over the room this evening. With all that being said, that might very well be the worst segue to a sermon topic I've ever made. Because tonight I want to talk about something, I want to talk about an idea, I want to talk about a mindset, I want to talk about a group of people that very well might be killing the church. I want to talk about this mindset that very well might be keeping you from fully committing your life to Jesus. And to do that tonight, we're going to do it with our second um, talk in a series called Prodigal. And tonight's sermon topic is called The Other Lost Son. And we did this last week, um, but we used a video to kind of talk about the scripture that we're going to be going through. So if we can roll that video right now, that'd be great. son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, who has squandered your property with prostitutes, comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you were always with me. And everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad. Because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found.
Last week we started this series called Prodigal, and we were talking about one of the most famous teachings of Jesus that comes from the Gospel of Luke in chapter 15 called the Parable of the Prodigal Son. Now, now we saw in this opening video, now we've kind of got a little background to the story as to what's going on here, um, but this, this story, it, it's profound in its teaching because of the way that it shaped Christianity for two millenniums. It's absolutely a profound teaching. And, and tonight we'll also be looking at another teaching tool that we use, not only this parable, but also this picture that we have. Um, this, this is a painting by Rembrandt, one of, the, one of the most famous artists of the 1700s. It's okay, you guys don't know either. But Rembrandt painted this, and we're going to be talking about this and using this as a teaching tool to analyze all the different characters in this parable, all the different characters in this painting. Now, last week we talked about um, the youngest son, the prodigal son himself. And we all came to this point where we said, in, in great detail, we went into this story and we said, to be a Jesus follower at all, to ever come to know Jesus even just a little bit, you have to first associate with the prodigal son himself. You have to at first know that we've wandered away from God and that we're always welcome back in his graces. That is the first step to becoming a Jesus follower of any capacity is to associate yourself with the prodigal. Now, as we progress in this study and as we progress in our faith journey, individually for all of us, we hope that we grow into other aspects and other characters of this story. But on the same token, there's characters that we're going to talk about and there's character traits that we're going to talk about that as we mature, we hope to stay far, far away from. We hope to stay far away from. Certain human traits um, that we as Christians living in the Spirit should fight week in and week out to not have a part of our daily lives, um, character traits of the older son. And so that's who we're going to be talking about in our character study, um, because the older son serves as a barrier to entry, a barrier to entry. Now, in the business world, a barrier to entry is something where um, there's a cost, and the cost is keeping individuals or businesses from breaking into that marketplace, a cost that is too great. Now, in the prodigal son and, and, in, and in Christianity's teachings, we know that the Father has eliminated all barriers to entry. There is no cost that is too great to go. There is no cost that is too great to come home. And, and the Father completely wipes that away. But it is no thanks to the older brother that this happens. And similarly, when the church prospers, when the church globally prospers, it is not because judgmental, um, resentful Christians are, 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 are involved. That is not why the church prospers. They might be a part of it, but it is not why the church prospers, and that's not why the prodigal son came home. He did not come home because of the older brother. And so tonight we have to, we have to cling to this truth that A, people are messy. A, people are messy, and life is messy, and as the next generation of the church, we have to be okay with that. And we have to lay this foundation that says, first and foremost, people belong. People need to feel like they belong in Aggies for Christ before they believe in what we're preaching. Secondly, we hope that they do come to believe. We hope that Scripture convicts them, that the Holy Spirit convicts them, and that they come to believe. And then third and finally, then behavior can change. Then behavior can change. Belong, believe, behave. And so tonight when we're talking about the older son, this might hit directly, this might hit home directly for some people in the room, maybe that are a little more mature in their faith, who are coming to this point where, where judgmental thoughts and resentful feelings are something that we have to battle week in and week out. But also I hope and I pray that tonight will strike a chord with those of us in the room that are still associating with the younger son, 
that are still feeling very much like the prodigal. Because regardless of the barriers that we face, regardless of the barriers that we face, the idea and the calling to come home to the Father is something that we have to remember as children of God, regardless of the obstacles that come in the way. Regardless of the obstacles, we have to continue to associate with the prodigal son. So I want to pose a hypothetical question to the room tonight. And the question is this. In the story of the prodigal son, when he's returning from the faraway land, he's returning from a distant land spiritually, and he walks over the hill, we know how the story goes. The story goes that the father runs to greet his son. The hypothetical question is this. What if it was the older brother who saw him first? What if it was the older brother who saw his younger brother first? Now, we have to figure, based on some character traits that we know about the older brother, that it wouldn't be as warm of a welcome as the father gave. Maybe it wasn't running to embrace the father. Maybe it was arms crossed. Maybe it was no handshake. Maybe it was a little half hug. But it wasn't the warm embrace that the father gave. Maybe the, maybe the older brother would have expected an explanation of what he did with the family's fortune. He probably expected an apology. We're not sure if he would have taken him inside to clean him up or to go see his father. <coughs> we just know that it probably wouldn't have been that warm. Now, that, now I, all of this is hypothetical, but if the, if the younger son sees the older son in that capacity, does he still come home? Or does he serve as a barrier to entry? These barriers to our belief are everywhere, and that's why as Christians we have to fight to be a group of individuals that are attracting people into our lives, not serving as barrier to entry. Because the fact of the matter is, is NMSU's enrollment this semester is over 13,000 people. We're pushing about 140 tonight. Now, I know there's other campus groups and whatnot, but there's still thousands of individuals that see a barrier to entry to this environment. And that saddens me beyond belief. And so we have to be a people that attracts the lost. A few months ago, um, my wife Tessa and I, we were on our, uh, we were on our diet grind. We were, really, we were really trying to lose weight um, before the wedding. She had no weight to lose. It was mostly for me. And so we were, man, we were grinding. And, uh, and as, a, as a general belief in the product, I'm trying to say this, I'm saying this kind of nervously, I believe in Herbalife. Now, all of you that are distributors, sit down. I don't want to join your team. Um, but, uh, but I do believe in Herbalife. I, I think, uh, you know, meal replacement, high protein, low calorie, like I can dig it. I was trying to lose weight, so I was bought in to the product. Um, now, going to Herbalife nutrition shops is the, one of the creepiest things in the world to me. I hate going to Herbalife shops. Now, if you own an Herbalife shop, again, tonight you can come to me and you can invite Tessa and I over and you can be really nice when we walk in, but I really, really hate going into Herbalife shops for the first time. Everybody has, it's a click. It's the most clickish environment I've ever seen. You walk in, everybody already has the seat that they like. The owner knows them and knows what shakes they like. It's kind of like uh, in a Western movie. You walk in and the swinging gate, it's like the creakiest door in the world. It's like, and then everybody's face like snaps to look at the new people that walk in and you know you silently go to a chair and you sit down and then everybody can go back to business as usual. Just talking about Herbalife shops gives me the creeps. It's a barrier to entry. For a wedding gift, we got a blender. So I promise you if, if Herbalife ever becomes part of my routine again, it'll be from the comfort of my own home because of these different, these different barriers that were hard for me to get over. They were hard for me to get over. Now, the church has to fight these same exact, 
these same exact issues. The church has the same battle week in and week out to not be this older brother type that throws up these barriers to be a part of our community. So now that we know a little bit about the story, we know a little bit about the character that we're talking about tonight, I think it's really important to know the audience. When you study scripture, something that is extremely important is knowing context and audience. And one of the, and so to find that, to find who Jesus was talking to in the parable of the prodigal son, we go to the very beginning of Luke chapter 15. This is before Jesus preaches the sermon, and this will tell us who Jesus is preaching the sermon to. It reads like this. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near him. This is to Jesus. And the Pharisees and scribes grumbled, saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. And then Jesus starts going into these stories. He tells a story about a lost coin. He tells a story about the lost sheep. And then he tells a story about the lost son or the prodigal son. Now, the sinners and the tax collectors, we know who that audience and we know that the character that was for them. Now, this is us. Okay, we are the sinners. We are the tax collectors. Jesus wanted to tell us about the prodigal son. And that is why that last week this message resonated so much with us. We love the story of the prodigal son. We associate with that. We love grace because of what makes Christianity different from every other religion. But there was a second audience that day that Jesus was preaching. It was the scribes and the Pharisees. Now, the scribes and the Pharisees were religious leaders of the time, the uppity up, the self-righteous of the world. Okay, this was the other group that Jesus was talking to. And Jesus talked to them and spoke to them in this parable through the older son, through the older son that we're studying tonight. The older brother was bitter, cold. He felt like he had been cheated from his, um, from his inheritance, and he was mad about this party. He was mad about this party. He says, he says, we're throwing a party for him? He just took half of our family's money. He ran off to a foreign land. He blew it on prostitutes, and we're throwing a party for him? I've been here the whole time. I've been loyal. I've been faithful. I've been obedient to our family. We should be throwing a party for me. We should be throwing a party for me. He's been consistently working. He's been bringing value to the family. And morally, up to this point, he had it more together than the younger son. The older son isn't even mad about the younger son coming back to the family. He's mad about the party. He's mad about the celebration. And that's the, that's the problem that's plaguing our churches and our ministries across this nation is the older brothers. Nobody wants to be around the older brother, but for you in the room tonight, I know what the fear is. We don't want to become the older brother. We don't want to become the older brother. So we look at this slide of the, the Rembrandt painting, and this is a zoomed-in version of the older brother. This is how Rembrandt saw it. The older brother is still in his nice red robe, which matches his father's, so it's probably a family thing. He has his arms reserved and crossed. He's by no means celebrating the return of his son. But I want, to ta- I want to paint another mental image of what's going on with the older brother, too. A trait that would be very good to, to remind everybody that he had was he was loyal. He was faithful to his family. He was an obedient servant. But also, he was bitter, angry, cold. He did not wish to celebrate when his brother came home. He was confronted by the joy of the servants and, his, and the father. He was confronted by their joy. He's exclusive. He's selfish, and even though he's been extremely obedient for all of his days, he's not truly free. He's not truly free. 
when we use these adjectives, when we use these descriptive words to, to talk about the church today, we get pictures like this in our head. The top one's kind of funny, but the other two are real. Like, we get pictures like this in our head. Like, this is, these are the descriptive words that I just used. And so I feel like I have to do some apologizing on behalf of the church tonight. If you've ever opened a history book and you read about the crusade that killed people in favor of the church, I apologize. If you've ever seen uh, the church respond in a hateful way to the LGBTQ community, I apologize for that hate. If you've ever walked into a church and you felt judged, I'm sorry. If you've ever walked into this ministry and you've seen cliques or you haven't been welcomed, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. The opening of Luke, those first couple verses, tell us that that is not what Jesus had in mind. By no means is that what Jesus had in mind. The sinners and the tax collectors were gathering to him, and he did not send them away. That is not the model that Jesus had. He gathered the worst of the worst. He gathered us. He gathered people like me around him, and he taught them, and he ate with them, and he just did life with them. You know, when I was thinking about, um, when I was thinking about this group this week, and I was thinking about the character study that we were going through, I figured... I figured that not many of us in the room were going to associate with the older brother. That's just a natural, it's just a natural way that our group is. We all associated with the younger brother last week. But one thing that I really want to get straight tonight is that the pitch this evening, the pitch of the gospel, the pitch of scripture, is not that we go from this younger brother, prodigal son, to this resentful older brother, prude. That is not the pitch that we have tonight. Who would want to be a part of the pictures that we just showed? Nobody. Nobody. But I honestly believe that that's why some people won't completely sell out for Jesus. Because you're afraid, one, that that's what you might become, but two, that it might be what you're associated with, a resentful, hateful group. My plea is tonight, don't ever be the older brother. Don't ever be that Christian. I told you all a few weeks ago about how I used to be a salesman, and uh, I vowed after I quit that job that I would never, ever take another job selling a product that I didn't believe in. And that the same thing goes for tonight. I do not believe in churches that act like the older brother. I do not believe in Christians that act like the older brother. And that's not what I'm proposing that you become tonight. Instead, I am extremely passionate about, and this ministry is extremely passionate about, us being a group of people that are a people of hope, a people of love, a people of kindness. That we would be faithful and obedient like the older brother, sure, absolutely. But that we would rejoice when the sinners came home that we would rejoice when more people like us came home, that we would rejoice when more prodigals came home. That's the type of people that we are passionate about becoming. That's the kind of Jesus follower that I think we should grow into. And I was kind of rough on the church tonight, but believe me, I don't think all churches are like this, and I don't think ours is. Otherwise, I wouldn't be a part of it. 
I do not, I do not think all churches are like that, but we are the future generation of the church. It will be us. We will be the elders of the next church. We will be the preachers of the next church. We will be the greeting old ladies of the next church. That's going to be us. And we have this grand responsibility to not only honor God and honor Scripture, but also to love better and to love well and to be that kind of Jesus follower and a community of people where others can come in and meet Jesus week in and week out. And so that's the goal. Now I warn you that if you've ever been mad at the church, you've ever been mad at a leader of the church, you've ever been mad at me, anger and bitterness and coldness to the church does not excuse us for recognizing God for who he is and what he's done. As much as the church is messed up, that does not excuse us for not recognizing God for who he is. The older brother in his bitterness, he didn't go into the party, but that doesn't mean the party stopped. Joy belongs in the house of the Lord, amen? Joy belongs in the life of the Jesus follower, amen? Amen? Amen. That's the type of Christians that we should become. We should, be the, we should be the group that throws the absolute best parties. We should be the most joyful individuals that there are. And that is my prayer for everybody in the room tonight. Will you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, um, I'm thankful for the story of the prodigal son. I'm thankful that you welcomed home the prodigal son. And I'm thankful that his older brother wasn't the first one to greet him. I pray for this room tonight. Lord, as the future leaders of your church, I pray that we don't become a people that ever adopts this older brother mentality. I pray that we be a people that, that loves well, that welcomes home prodigals day in and day out, moment in and moment out, remembering that we were always that prodigal and that is always going to be our story. So God, I pray that you mold us into a mature, um, a mature group of believers that lead your church well into the next centuries. God, that we can be a people that loves hard and loves well because we're thankful most of all for what your son did on the cross. It's in his name I pray. Amen. Hey, I spoke a little bit shorter tonight because this evening um, our party's not going to stop here. Uh, we're having tea at Taylor's tonight, and so we're all, um, you're welcome to come party with the Christian community tonight and be joyful with that community. Now, one thing I did want to say before I get off the stage is next week we have a baptism. We have a baptism next week after ASC, and I know there's a lot of people in the room that have been thinking about baptism since Charlton's talk at retreat, and I know there's others that have just been thinking about it as well. If that's something you want to talk about or pray about tonight, myself and my wife and the staff, we're going to be in the back. If you're an older brother figure in the room tonight and you know there's some judgment and some resentment that you need to get rid of, um, we'd love to come talk and pray about that as well. And if you're still feeling like that prodigal, dirty and rejected and kicked to the curb, you're more than welcome to come pray about that as well. You guys, this is joy.